You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. Tonight we're looking at two more episodes of Neo Ultra Q. This time we're looking at episodes three of The Businessman Who Came From the Sky and episode four, Pandora's Cave. And uh, just to mix things up and to prove that I don't actually, uh, we don't swap notes or compare or or talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast tonight, I'm going to do things a little bit differently tonight. Uh, I'm going to read you the synopsis for both episodes up front. The reason is is that I want to talk about these two episodes together for a while. And uh, in our normal format, uh, that wouldn't really make much sense. So tonight, two synopsis. And then a discussion. So we'll be starting with a synopsis for the businessman who came from the sky. Emmy has an interview with supermodel Mickey. It doesn't go well, and it doesn't last long. Mickey is an unpleasant sort. It looks like that beautiful face has gone to her head. Moments after she leaves, Emmy and Shohei hear her scream. Her dressing room has been trashed, and she is gone. Emmy finds a business card for a man who claims to be an alien from the planet Vulcanus. Emmy and the gang decide to investigate that. What they find is an alien businessman from the planet Vulcanus. He's a legit scaled skin, pointy-eared spaceman from another world. He's just here collecting artifacts of beauty. Mickey entered into a voluntary agreement with him and is now an immobilized mannequin awaiting transport back to Vulcanus. Mickey was ugly and on the verge of suicide. The alien recognized the beauty in her and in exchange for returning to his planet as a thing of beauty, he transformed her into a physical beauty by Earth standards. Emmy is outraged, but he's got a contract. They try to point out that humans cannot own other humans, but the alien points out that humans own other species like dogs and cats and eat cows. That's not wrong, and neither is it illegal for him to own a human. Looks like he's got all the legalities worked out on this one. Emmy is desperate and tries to make a deal. I'll bring you something even more beautiful in exchange. The alien agrees, but warns her that he wants something more beautiful to his species, which is not the same as human ideals of beauty. He gives them a device that measures beauty to help. They try measuring each other, and Emmy is the least beautiful of the three, and none of them move the meter much at all. They take the device to the university, where it is identified as a negative energy meter, The people of Volcanus view negative emotions as beautiful. Now they have a new dilemma. They could perhaps find someone even more negative than Mickey, but that would be trading one human for another. Science to the rescue! A device is built that extracts negative energy from people. Emmy and Shohei try it in a coffee shop on a vile excuse for a person. It gruesomely extracts the negative energy, but it leaves the donor wanting to die. And indeed, he starts to die. They pour the negative energy extracted back down his throat and hastily retreat. They have failed. Jin, however, has an alternative plan. A giant network of negative energy extractors that can pull the energy from places that are subjected to lots of negative energy. They collect gallons of the stuff, and the alien, 
overjoyed, releases Mickey. Although with the deal broken, she will revert to her original appearance. They seal the deal in true Japanese style. They all get super drunk. <laughs> when they come to the next morning, the alien and Mickey are gone. Mickey still wanted to go of her own free will. And, and we'll just take a uh, episode four, Pandora's Cave synopsis. A man, Kuroki, awakes in a cave at night. There is an ancient stone seal beneath him. He starts to open it, and evil smoke starts to pour out. He panics and puts the stone back. Too late, something has come out. A foul, blob-like creature known as the Mara tries to convince him that he needs to be released to put the world to rights by eliminating the line between good and evil. Kuroki likens the seal to Pandora's box and refuses to open it. Meanwhile, at the door, Shohei's classy yet eternally empty bar, Emi, Jin, and Shohei wait to meet Kuroki, who is supposed to be there. Only Jin actually knows him. They were both in grad school at the same time, and they both competed each other and experimented with the connection of the brain to emotion. They were dangerous experiments, and Kuroki went too far. He experimented on his girlfriend with her consent in an effort to remove all negative emotions. Now she is incurably hospitalized. In the cave, the Mara tries to trick Kuroki, first by showing him visions of his girlfriend and promises that she can be returned to normal. Later, he taunts him with visions of Jin trying to appeal to his arrogance and sense of superiority. It almost works. Back at the door, they debate how science should proceed, and if there are dark places that should not be examined. Emmy thinks Kuroki is a monster for doing what he did to his girlfriend. Shohei defends him, saying it was an unforeseeable accident. Jin posits that there are dark places that must never be looked at, but that it is human nature for man to do so anyway. Emmy leaves a challenge for Shohei. She places something under a cup, challenging him not to look until the next time she returns. As the sun comes up, Kuroki thinks that the sunlight will banish the Mara, and he appears to be correct, and the sunlight burns the Mara, and it disappears. Kuroki's girlfriend appears at the mouth of the cave, and with hardly any cajoling at all, fools Kuroki into opening the seal, appealing once again to his ego. The Mara escapes upon the world. Elsewhere, Shohei looks under the cup. The end. Okay, so here's why I want to talk to these, about these two together. All right. So these are episodes three and four. In episodes one and two, Jin, Shohei, and, and Emmy barely had anything to do in them. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's just like, eh. In, in this, these two, they're quite prominent. And both stories are about negative emotions. And both of these stories have potentially far-reaching ramifications they're intertwined. There's nothing, there's obviously no real connection between them, and yet there should be. And I think that this really shows why this show is not very good. Um, <laughs> right? We have, well, first off, the, the format of this show is wrong. I'll ask you what you thought of these two episodes in a second, but I want to I wanna hit uh-huh. this, this, this premise. The format of this show is just wrong for this show. At the end of, particularly the end of Pandora's Cave, the world has been fundamentally changed. They have released all the evil out onto the world, and things shouldn't be the same next week. But I no, bet they will. Think. 
that I bet there will be no consequences to this whatsoever. And and this is the and the flaw is that if you take a show like The Twilight Zone, there are no continuing characters. There, it is a true anthology, and therefore every week you could, if you wanted to make the case in your mind from mind canon, they could be in a different universe. Right there, it's just like short stories. You read two different short stories by two different authors, and they they have no they have no link between them. They both start in the real world, but by the end of it, you know you're somewhere else. And they could do that in the Twilight Zone. They could blow up the Earth in one episode, and for uh, we have all the time in the world or episode. Right. And then in the next week, they could be a little small town going pulling into a train at Willoughby, and that works. It does not work in this format. Right. It, it, the, having these three people in it from week to week just really springs this idea up. And, oh. I, I don't think they I don't think they thought that through when they were doing these. I, I think they they thought we're gonna redo and update Ultra Q. Uh-huh. And to do that, obviously we need to have the uh, you know three characters. So mm-hmm. we've got them. And then we're going to have all these cool stories, like the original. Well, as you just pointed out, they're not like the original. No. Not completely anyways. I mean, the original, like Tokyo Froze and stuff like that. But, you know, that was kind of referenced to it in a couple other yeah. episodes. But, yeah. And they solve it at the end. Right. They they do fix things. And here, we're we're not seeing that. And, and the other thing is, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I thought that the revivals of the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits, eh, they fell flat. Eh, they fell flat, even yeah. though some of them went quite a long time. And part of the reason they fell flat is because I think that the people who grew up watching those shows, revering those shows as, as you know, groundbreaking, pioneering, thought-provoking television for their era, when they sat down to recreate it, they went too far. They 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 felt it was. They became too self-important in what they were doing. They took the fun out of them, and it doesn't ring right. And it just feels like a bad imitation. This is exactly that for yeah, Ultra it's, Q. It's like the originals were a commentary on current affairs and issues, and when they did the remakes. They kind of, I think they Didn't, thought they were doing that, but they were doing that in a, um, a much less effective way. You know, it, yeah. it just doesn't, they don't, they don't, they don't resonate. They, they fail to I resonate they were, with the viewers. I think they were trying to push them in too hard too. The, the, they were trying to put that point across too forcefully and it just kind of just didn't work. And yeah, I don't know. And I feel like this, I mean, okay, it's hard for us to argue that Ultra Q was, you know, comment, commenting on the problems of the era. <laughs> right. No, because yeah. it, it was a goofy monster show. Yeah, but pretty much. Nonetheless, it was a groundbreaking show in Well, in because Japan. it had goofy monsters and stuff like that. And that really was special effects, a different type right. of storytelling, the, the whole nine yards. Here, they just, they've missed. And I... And it feels, it has that same misfeeling that I get from the Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone, and the new Outer Limits. It just, you know, there may be some great stories, and I haven't watched all of the new Twilight Zone and new Outer Limits. I couldn't. 
You know, Batman. I mean, there's some of it, and it's just like, you know, this show just isn't, these, these aren't any good. And, well, there are probably sure some good ones, but it's probably some it's really been great ones. So but, many years since I've seen them, hey, I could not recall any of them. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of where we've gone here. The other thing is, and again, I'm comparing it to the old show. If there was a chemistry between Yuri, uh, Rin, Rin, right? And, and, uh, and Ipe. And there is no chemistry between the three leads whatsoever in this show. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they are. Um, like, why do they hang out together? Yeah, I, I think for some reason, uh, Emmy and, and Jin just kind of show up at that bar because maybe it's close to work or close to where they live. And that's about it. I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. They don't seem to have, uh, and it's not crowded any relationship outside the episodes. Yeah, that's another weird thing. It's it's completely I mean, empty I, all the time. Every time we've seen it, it's been completely empty. And it, here's another thing about both, and we see it in well less so in the in the first episode. But when they're sitting at the bar, now I'm gonna I, I'm gonna come clean here. I've never at, as I've never sat at a bar drinking in my life. Okay. Never. Tables in a bar, and I've sat watching people drinking at a bar, but I personally have never done it. I have sat at bars, like eating food or something like that, but yeah. And do you notice that they all do that thing that doesn't really look very natural? And they're just, they're staring off into the, into the, not at each other. There's two people or three people in the room, and they don't look at each other when they're talking. They're, 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 they're fiddling their drinks or staring at the walls or just utterly disinterested in each other. Yeah, they're, 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 the aloofness is, is very real when, when they're together. I mean, yeah. like what Jen will be like sitting at a table uh, all the way across the room reading a, a magazine going through some work or something like that. And the other two are sitting at the bar chatting and stuff like that. And it's like, well, why don't they all get together? I, I don't get it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's almost th- as if that the writers wanted to have some place for them to be together at, but for some reason didn't want to have them, like two of them work together. Um, yeah, at or, an airline or something, yeah. Or, heck, you know, you could pull this off with uh, uh, two of them working as reporters. Or... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just some some obvious connection outside of what we see them doing, just sitting at the bar, like they just met each other last week. And Emmy is Emmy is the worst of the bunch because she really gives off that, and it's obviously it's a stereotype from television. And <clears throat> you know how a uh, hot chick sits at bar, guy comes up to try to a hit on her. Hot Not chick doesn't look at him. She just keeps staring ahead and shooting him down. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Emmy is doing. Uh, she, she's constantly yeah. got that sort of like, she does occasionally look at them, but for the most part, she's definitely got the, she's putting off the leave me alone vibe, even when she's talking to them. I, 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 just, I don't get it. But they yeah, just, I, I suppose. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, I'll I'll go with that because I have no other, uh, nothing else to work with there because they don't seem to be good friends. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. 
they they don't they don't seem to be good friends. I'll have a little bit more about them one of the in one of the episodes. Uh, but um, the other thing is, what if Pandora's cave had come first? I mean, first as in episode one. I think that would have been fine because then the like the last episode could have been uh, Mister Brethren cleaning the freaking world. Well, it, but also, right? There's an excuse for there being a guy working in a a monster working in a laundry shop and no one seems to really care. Mm -hmm. I mean, if the first yeah. episode had unleashed all this madness to rebalance the world in some word and now, and now it's a world filled with monsters and all sorts of stuff, uh -huh. that could have been a good opener. And then the, yeah. the other should have been Brethren's Laundry. Right. You know, it's very, very uh, uh, conceivable that uh, at the end of this, it will be pr become pretty clear that the uh, air order was completely wrong, and yet that you're correct. That you know we have to watch them in a different order for them to make more sense. <laughs> I mean, they certainly I, don't make much sense now. I have I have my doubts that there is any logic to this, no matter what hey, order you put them in. But it just once again, I'm going to grab at a little bit of hope for some some uh, uh, rationality here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna keep with this. I'm making a note to remember this for the next episodes. We can come up with our own order for Neo Ultra Q yes, that you have exactly. to watch it in, and then, it, exactly. then the show makes sense. Wait, it, Wikipedia, we're we're gonna do a little update here. Yep, yep. That's that is what we are we're gonna do. Uh -huh. Um. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit specifically about businessmen from the sky. Unless you have yeah. anything else on that particular. Um. Well, what, what what did you think of uh, businessmen from the sky? Um, you know, interesting premise for a uh, a story. You know, the classic, uh, the devil will promise you something that you really, yeah. really want, but he exacts quite the price. Uh huh. You know that it's that story. You know, there's but not usually, a lot to be said about it. Usually, when you when the devil extracts a price, you don't want to pay it. Yeah, yeah, that's this true. Is, but I would, I would assume that. The reason that the that the model Mickey or Mickey saw or whatever her name is uh, trashed her dressing room is that she didn't want to go yet, but yet she yeah. went. She was well, taken her face by, was getting kind of ugly. Just for a moment, I I think that was probably um, alien. It's time up. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like, hey, I'm back. Guess what? Time to pay. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. It, there was, I didn't think somebody else had trashed it. I was sure she had trashed her yeah. room. But it, at the same time, you know, she did go voluntarily at the end. Right. But it was only after uh, she had time to reflect on the whole thing. And like, oh, yeah, I am going to, I am going to get ugly again. So no, I'm going. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and probably the constant exposure to uh, Emmy uh, fawning over all the time. And the same thing with the, uh, sorry, Soe. Soe, yeah. Shoya doing this exact same thing, you know, kind of in her mind, you know, sealed her own fate by saying, you know, I want, I want this to keep going. I, I really, I like all the attention. I don't want that to go away. I don't really care yeah. what the price is or who's giving me the intention, uh, attention, you know, as long as I get it. Mm -hmm. So and she was a piece of work. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I can, I can see why they, that race thought that she was very beautiful. Because she yeah. was just black and evil on the inside. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there is no doubt. And, and, and speaking of piece of work, 
Emmy was a piece of work in this one, too. I mean, she was utterly irrational about this. I, I don't know why she was so interested in saving Nikki. I, I don't know either, other than she saw her as an idol, as somebody that she wanted to emulate and, and get that sort of attention. Yet, as you've pointed out, she gives off that uh, I'm a hot girl and I don't want to be bothered vibe by anybody she speaks to, for the most part. You know, and she is. I, it's interesting. Shirley's all like, no, I think you're prettier. I don't think she was prettier, to be fair. But, you know, I think Shohei was hoping he was in there by flattering her up, although she shot him the hell down in the next episode, didn't she? Oh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was just... I couldn't figure out her motivation behind this. And if it's just like, gosh, Mickey's so pretty, we have to keep her around. Yeah. Maybe that's supposed to be an allegory. As the commodity that she sees her as. Yeah. You know, because that's how she makes her money is by writing about these things. Yeah. I I really don't know. Yeah. So So the alien Volcanus from Planet Volcanus, I didn't, I wrote his name down, but autocorrect fixed it. Now I don't know what it was. Belserid? No, no, no. Uh, no, Volcanus is, was right, but I mean, his what name. Is? His name. Uh, his character name. Oh, I wrote Haya that down Joshi. and it got mangled by autocorrect. So I didn't realize it till it was too late. And I didn't want to oh. go back. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I'm just going to call him Alien Volcanus. There you go. The Volcanus. Who is a pointy-eared, scaly-skinned, cigar-chomping alien. I would say Hobgoblin would fit in there pretty well. But yeah. 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 And All right. I the pointy ears and Vulcan kind of uh yeah. yeah. He he's he, he was a Ferengi without the comic relief. Yeah. And so they show up at his door his business cards. Yeah. They show up at his door and he opens the door and he is in fact an alien from another planet. Yeah. And makes their no reaction is can we come in and talk to you? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm just a businessman here from another, I'm from out of town, and I'm just <laughs> doing some business, so. Yep. Yeah. That was just doing trade. very, very strange. <laughs> yeah, that I could buy, strangely enough. I mean, we've already seen uh, an alien who cleans things for fun. Uh, True. Yeah, what was in the first episode? Uh, oh, the, the big ogre thing that goes back to a tree to die. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, not too shocked about the alien businessman who's just looking for a couple trinkets to pick up for the guys I'm at home. I'm not too shocked. No, no, no. It's not that. That's fine. It's it's the our hero's reaction to it. Oh, yeah. It's so blasé. It's unbelievable. Once again, we might be watching these out of order. <laughs> so, you know, uh, okay. But aren't our scientists wonderful? Just take a thing down to them and uh, at the university and they go, oh, this is a negative energy detector. Wow, I wish we had stuff like this. This is great. Okay, look, bang, we do. Look, and I now, made it into a gun. I made it into a gun to extract the energy yep. as a ifky, inky, black, black tarry, liquid killing Tasha Yar goo. Yo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they like that black tar goo as evil motif, don't they? Yeah, I mean, um, probably reminds also of soy see sauce. next episode. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, and that scene where they extract 
it's just so it's so ludicrous. I I I know we're talking about a show that you know has this lineage with giant hoppy monsters bouncing around. Yeah, but for some reason, it just seems far more ridiculous in this incarnation that Emmy and Shohei go into a coffee shop and you know kind of prop it up behind a book, their little gun thing, and they're gonna shoot uh-huh. somebody who's nasty and suck the suck the negative energy out of him. But the effect was truly gruesome and nasty. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give them that. I was not expecting it, and I yeah, can't I believe the other the people guy... in the coffee shop didn't sort of notice that they were shooting him and sucking the stuff out of him. <laughs> I figured that they would shoot him, they'd suck the stuff out of it, and he'd just be like a transformed man. You know, that's what happens when that when that occurs. No, he started to foam at the mouth and die. Well, but first he wanted to kill himself. Right. Well, he instantly felt remorse, so it doesn't get rid of that, yeah. apparently. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm such a terrible person, and oh, so which, okay, yeah, you have been a terrible person. And I thought, you know, it would it would actually be better, story-wise, mm-hmm. if he killed himself, right? That is that is the, or or at least tried to kill himself, and they stopped it, right? Because yeah. that would have shown them that this is the the consequences of their actions right this is this is what you're doing you have you will essentially kill this person if you take the negative energy out of him but instead uh-huh. they just yeah run by hold his nose pour the black tar down his throat and run out exactly now, presumably he's fine but i think he choked to death uh, possibly and still nobody says stop them <laughs> yeah which is weird i mean Kind of, kind of uh, suspicious. They were kind of suspicious. Yeah, I was gonna say the Japanese folks are kind of laid back to things like that, but they've had some pretty audacious things occur in their uh, their cities the past yeah. few decades. That yeah, you would like scream and point, get your cell phone out, take pictures, et cetera, et cetera. Yep, yep, yep. All that, absolutely all that. And I'm sure they had cell phones back then, but did they have camera cell phones? Oh, not yeah. sure. They did. They did. They had them even a Before little- Before we uh, did, non, I know. Non-flip phones, they had the cameras in them. I just don't remember when they started putting them in, and I don't remember what year this came out in. So between the two, I'm not 100% sure. But nonetheless, uh, you know, it, 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 it. everyone's reactions are just- <laughs> The other thing that I thought was, I think they were trying to say something. Maybe we were supposed to know what it was. What? But when Chin comes out with his his uh, stakes that they stick in the ground, yeah, yeah, he says we're gonna put these, we're you know we're gonna put them in places that have a history of negative energy. Mm-hmm. They're in a they're in a park. Yeah, a park. Is shrine. that like somewhere? Is it? Yeah. Should we know what that park was? Is that something like this is where the troops all mustered before they went off to fight the war or something? I don't or know. Or is it just a park? The one thing I, I recognized was, of course, the diet. Yeah. Building, which obviously a lot of negative energy there because it's. And government. for anybody who doesn't know, that's essentially their House Parliament. of Parliament. Yeah. Yeah. And there was like an overpass. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess bad traffic jams. 
But it, it felt like because they intentionally put the diet building and because he said places where we would collect negative energy, it felt like we should have we should have clearly recognized those places as being that you know, outside a prison. Near a government building. Just I don't know. I, I I don't know. A place where people have lots of arguments. But of course they, they collected a heck of a lot of uh, goo from that. Oh yeah, they did, yeah. It could be that they were just points that were equidistant from the central location on top of that high rise. Mm. So how how do the alien volcanists enjoy I guess a jar of negative that... emotions? Is it just it feels good being around it? I that's what I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like sitting next to a nice campfire on a cool night. It's like, oh, yeah, exactly. It warms them and makes them happy. <laughs> if that's the case, they should just have tours that come to the, you know, come to the, our planet and just hang around places like uh, any place where politicians are speaking or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. any big events. That's, I, I think, I think you're exactly right. Bars on Saturday yeah. nights. Yeah. Or in one week's time, everywhere in the planet. If only after we opened Pandora's cave and released all that negative energy, if only we had the technology to collect negativity in a tar jar. Exactly. That would have been so great. Which, but we think we'd have to have a jar bigger than the planet. Next week we have a, next week we have a a thing that, that releases all the negativity. And this week we invent a thing that can collect and contain all the negativity. It's, it's like, it's like they're trying to mesh their fingers together, but they just keep smacking knuckles. <laughs> or they keep getting their toes in there for some reason. Yeah, yeah it's like, why is your toe? I don't know. <laughs> it really is. Uh, that, that's one of the reasons I wanted these two together is because it's so similar. Yeah, yeah. That these two things should should interact somehow. It should interact in the opposite direction, of course. Pandora's cave first. But but still, it's just, and we've we've forgotten it. And of course, you know, next week we find out that's what Jin's specialty was apparently in grad school anyway. Right. I thought he was studying kaiju in grad school. Um, that's kind of what I thought too. I think he studied a lot of stuff. You know, probably had one and of those the, general and the walls of the door. Yeah. 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 A lot of those. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, air dates. And yeah, Businessman was uh, January 26th, 2013. Pandora's Cage, February 2nd, 2013. So, yeah. Yeah, we're watching them in air order. Um, yeah, um, unfortunately, I can't find production order. Yeah. But, I, 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 well, yeah. Even if there, were, if there were, if there was supposed to be a crossover, then there should have been some mention of it. So I don't think there is. I just think... No. That's the... That's probably the sad reality is that they are completely dissimilar. You know, they have no connection, but they just hit this theme twice, right? One after the other. When they spun the roulette wheel of what we're going to shoot this week, these two were back to back and nobody cared. Yep. Nobody thought this is going to be on. Yeah. But then again, maybe to somebody who is, uh, you know, who was born in Japan, has, has grown up there, watched these, maybe they make total sense. Maybe this is like, oh, yeah, we just don't let that bother us at all. That's not the yep. problem. We yeah, concentrate on this. It's like, no, oh, it's like 
you're looking at a Monet and all you're really caring about are the different shades of blue. You don't care about what it looks like or how it was made or what the artist was thinking. You're just looking at one specific aspect of it. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. So, um, do you have anything specifically on uh, this one? Else, I'll talk, switch more or less to Pandora's cage. Oh, um, I was wondering what was happening to uh, Soy's jacket. Uh, the the wide stripes were falling off from it. I don't know if I that was notice. a fashion or what. Uh, I didn't notice it, but you know, I seem to recall there were jackets in the 80s that had like loose, loose straps, almost like they were... No, these were... Were they, were they horizontal or were they vertical? These were, looked to be about one inch wide or two centimeter wide, um, light colored ribbon that was, it was like piping around the lapels and the cuffs and the um, oh no, yeah, the, no, uh, the pockets um, to highlight them. Um, I believe with narrower ribboning or piping that would have been popular in probably the nineteen. 19- Tens in England, <laughs> but the, on the him it was like a, yeah. uh, a dark brown jacket with this kind of a dark cream colored ribbons, and they were like falling off, like they were they were sewn or they weren't sewn on, but like ironed on, and they were just falling apart. And I it's didn't like, notice wow, it. If that's a fashion that didn't last very long, geez, or he's just a dresser, dresser, <laughs> and uh, has no fashion sense whatsoever. You know we cannot we cannot leave businessmen from the sky without a hat tip to the okay deal is done let's all get drunk oh that was classic yeah <clears throat> yep what I don't he's a businessman you know he's an intergalactic salaryman so of course yeah. he's gonna want yeah, to I went on to celebrate a successful job and they go along with it well of course because that's what you do. <laughs> That is He's obviously so... the senior of the the partnership there, so yeah, that's just so weird. I I know that the Japanese have this weird thing about after work, get blitzed and let off some steam with the boss, miss the last train, puke in the doorsteps, the whole nine yards. But uh yeah, that yep. that that's you, you know you and your company, not you and a random alien that you just made a weird deal with to save someone from slavery i well i mean that is their company at this point they are they were engaged engaged in a business transaction it wouldn't it would it would lose face if they did not get uh exactly shit faced exactly you got it you nailed it (laughs) Uh, all right that door escape i'll throw this part out before I ask you what you thought, I thought the blob version of Mara in the very beginning, with just know. the one eye and the face, yeah. was very creepy. Oh, they yeah, they they hit the nail on the the hammer there. That was that was a good monster look, and yeah. it was a a very it was a classic. But I've seen that you know horrible looking monster thing, but with the one very human eye that you uh-huh. can see. Uh, you know, the other side of the face is obscured by something or it's just, you know, grotesque and whatever. But there's this one very human eye making it yeah. up that says, oh, this is 
not a complete alien. It's somehow related to us. And and as it gets progressively more human, I thought it was less and less interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with you on yeah. that one. Easy. Yeah. Yep. It's like, it was cool when it was the blobby creature, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not... Uh, not... Shout out to Doctor Who, Namara, mm-hmm. from uh, Snake Dance and uh, the other one. The... The spirit that attempted to tempt Buddha to break his prayers, if I remember right. I think, yeah, something like that, too. It's in Buddhism. There's a, there's a Mara in Germanic and Slav mythology. There's a Buddha, Eric Mara. There's a Buddha in Buddhism, yes. Really? Uh, Mara in, in Hinduism. Uh, yeah, all, all of which are demons or death things. Or I, I didn't really, really see any that were supposed to represent evil per se, a manifestation of evil. And and the reason I say shout out to Doctor Who is because in the, the two, really should be able to think of the first one, but I hated it so much. <laughs> Both of them, actually. <laughs> really did it have anything to do with the Ronnie? No, 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 no. No, okay. It had to do with the snake. Um, the Mara was manifested dance? as the snake. Yeah, snake dance is one of them. Snake, yeah. But yeah, the other I, one... I've the, tried to block the, that one out just because the effects really were bad. Yeah, and just um, bad. Well, they've redone them CGI for the the reissues. Oh, didn't help that much, but that is the distillation of evil. Mm-hmm. But and I thought that the guy had pulled that, the writer had pulled it from some Buddhist thought. So I was kind of surprised when that didn't pop up instantly in my mm-hmm. search for that being some sort of evil manifestation. The the tempter, yeah, but that's not. That's what he's doing here. He's tempting the guy, but or tricking the guy, but he's that's not not quite the same. So I'm just I'm guessing they went with a Doctor Who connection, probably not yeah. not, not the uh, some. So he's going to eliminate the line between good and evil. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what he says. Does that mean there's currently more good in the world than evil? Yeah, that's the impression I got. Wow, <laughs> it's like oh, no. okay. That's depressing. Or maybe it's equally balanced at this point, but obviously in Mara's mind, it needs to swing one way or the other, and, well, the other way is not where it's going to go. Perhaps. I mean, that's not how he described it, and I don't know if he... I mean, obviously everything he said may have been a lie. Well, that's also true, yes. So, you know, that's a slight problem with his story because we don't actually know what the consequences of his actions are. In the end, the Mara gets out, story over. Yeah, that's it. Big black cloud goes up, and then next week, aliens are coming from Volcanus to pick up our people because they're so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Why not Mara go to the planet Volcanus? Why not let's call them down? Have we got a deal for you? Yeah, exactly. So we can have this this cleaned up in a week, and, and we'll get paid for it, too. (laughs) <laughs> a fair and equitable trade yes yeah. absolutely <laughs> I I did think what did you think of the story I'll, I'll, um, I should ask that question it was alright uh, you know kind of good versus evil obviously the guy's done things that were just ethically reprehensible uh, yeah yeah, yeah. As the stories go, I mean, you should always finish what you start. 
and the writer didn't. Uh-huh. That ending was not an ending. That was just a pause until the next act. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was that so was I rising this, action and then... Yeah. Right, and that was just chop it off with a great big scythe. Just leave it at that. It's like, no, that's not how you do things. I don't know. You can call it artistic if you want, but I'm sorry that that didn't work for me. Yeah, I, I I did kind of think that they did a fair job of portraying the temptation of Kuroki, that that the creature was, it was believable that, you know, you bring in Jin, and, and he says, eh, you know, you better not open that up. It it from what we knew of Kuroki. It made sense that he would immediately go. Well, if you don't think we should do it, I'm better than you. Yeah, I yeah. can do this. Uh, I mean yeah. that that worked, and but, the bit with his girlfriend though didn't. And I mean his girlfriend at the beginning. And 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 my point is one: we never really figured out what he did to her. I mean, yeah, okay, he gave her ketamine and electrical shocks. And electrical shocks to remove her negative emotions. All they had to do was to go to the damn university and ask them to make a negative emotion extractor. They had one last week for crying yeah, out loud. Exactly. <laughs> they whipped that up in an evening last uh-huh. week. And they whipped up a whole series of extractors from the whole planet in, in overnight. So yeah. that <laughs> why these two shouldn't be together, why these two are together, why uh-huh. hey. And so he extracts the negative from her, but what is left of her? It, why is she in the hospital? What, what, is, what is her condition? All we ever get is that she is incurably hospitalized. Is she right. insane? Is she unconscious? I mean, we see her in a bed, but that's a, that's a vision. Right. It doesn't right. really tell us anything. No. What was, the, what was the outcome of this experiment? I, I don't know. Maybe she's just a happy, well-adjusted person, and he hates her because she's not the woman he fell in love with. I don't know, because we haven't seen it. So the the idea of that temptation kind of doesn't work as well as it could. Mm-hmm. We get that he feels guilty that he did something to her, but it just doesn't, it doesn't work. And then at the end, same thing. Is, is that really Is that really his girlfriend talking to him, or is that... I think it's Mahler uh, trying to tempt right. him. Well, I yes, I I think I think so. But there's a line that she says. She says, "Like, are you okay, Mister?" Well, yeah, because it's uh, it's um, Emmy who's doing it, and then we we see the girlfriend standing there. So it's like he's no longer really seeing reality at this point. So they were shifting between Emmy and, and okay. Okay. I thought I saw that, but with the lousy color grading. (laughs) Yeah. That is also distracting. Whoever did the timing for this, I should have been spoken to. I thought it was Emmy. And then it was like, obviously not Emmy when she was talking to him, but then I, it was not Emmy who was talking to him when she said, are you okay, mister? And I'm like, is that supposed to be he's seeing his girlfriend, but it is a stranger talking to him because they don't know him. But if that were the case, why then would the words be like, you know, you're the guy, what you got to do and the man, you know, you got to open that and stuff. So I don't think those were the words coming out of anybody. No, no, he was hearing it. He was hallucinating this, you know, all of it, I guess you could say. 
And I, you know, I'm pretty sure the Mara knew intentionally burned himself up so that he wasn't really oh, yeah. burned up. He was just like, oh, yo, sunlight. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Squeak, exactly. Squeak, I'm dead. Yeah. Fake. It, it was, um, so the other half of this is, is the discussion of them in the bar. Is it? And they're just talking about, I, we don't know why he's meeting with Kuroki. He just apparently is. Yeah. Even though he doesn't like the guy, apparently. Well, I think they all are, though. Well, they've never met him. Right. Emmy and Shohei, but yeah, they're waiting to meet him, too. But they're, yeah, they're all, I, I don't, that really didn't make any sense. It gives Jin the opportunity to explain to them about this guy. And it, it's odd that they take the positions that they take. Emmy is like, well, he's obviously a monster mm-hmm. because he tried to extract the negative emotions from his girlfriend, even though he had her consent. Not saying that that's the right thing to do, because, you know, ethically, that's not really how you go get your experimental subject. But at the same time, last week, Emmy, you shot a guy and sucked the negative emotions out of him. Well, that was all good fun. And we didn't really know it was going to happen. Oh, wait. Yeah. So there's that. Then you've got Shohei, who, you know, is, let's face it, he's a bit of an idiot. But (laughs) not the brightest. He's not the brightest of the team. No, no. He is taking the, what? He had consent? Yeah. It was an unforeseen, I mean, we got to do this stuff. Science has got a science, man. And sometimes bad things happen. (laughs) Well, why are you, why are you, why are you picking on him? Why do you think he's a monster? I pity your girlfriend someday. Well, that was just hate hurtful. No, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, was, like that was a, a fairly a fairly tame observation. Yeah, he, at that they, point, so he needs to level up in his empathy. Yeah, <laughs> and and that Jin is like, well, you know, I mean, it's, there are some dark places. There are some doors that should never be opened, which right. is hitting the metaphor on the head so hard in this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You should, you should never look in, but let's face it, it's what we humans do. Yep. <laughs> It'll happen, and then, you know, once the door's open, you really can't close it, so you might as well open it all the way. Yeah. I feel like they were trying to talk about something. Maybe, you know, maybe this is their Frankenstein moment. I, nah. like, yeah, you know, we're going to, we're going to, science is going to do what science is going to do, but at least let's acknowledge that you shouldn't have done it. <laughs> well, I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> Of course, the experiment. And then the, the the goofy, weird thing is the the cup. So, any to explain this <laughs> to Stupo, uh, Shohei, you know, hides something under a coffee cup and leaves it on his bar. And to don't look at that until the next time I come in, which I'm assuming is the next night. Right, exactly. Because what else is she going to do? Yeah. And he can't, he can't not look under the thing. But the, the part that, was trying to reconcile in my head. It's like, you're in a bar or a coffee shop or a coffee shop bar. I'm not sure uh-huh. what the hell this place is. And somebody leaves an upturned coffee cup on a counter. What are the odds that a customer is going to come in and unsettle that? <laughs> it would be pretty high in any other place in the world. But in Shohei's The Door, since there <laughs> are no other customers ever. Right. It's a done deal that that's not going to move. It's just going to gather dust for all eternity. 
And Emmy's never going to come back because she's been blown away by the evil energy blasting out of the hole. <laughs> she was flung up like the wicked witch of the east. <laughs> Caught in a tornado and a house landed on top of her. There you go. God, I don't know. I don't know. And then, so this is what Jin did too, except he just didn't go so far. He was he was using pigs and stuff to right, He was using animals, and then he stopped uh, stopped doing research on this because I guess it wasn't going where he wanted it to go, or saw that it was going to go in a direction that uh, he was unwilling to go. And I have, yeah, <laughs> I really, I don't hate these. <laughs> but I'm not enjoying them. <laughs> yes, I understand that completely. Yeah. It, it's got no soul. It just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't have, it's not fun. <laughs> right, at least, at least Ultra Q was fun in a goofy way. You could laugh at it. Yeah, they had the, you know, the, the derpiest robot invasion ever. Um Kids who fly in turtles. Uh, the the kid who has a rocket up his rear end and the, turns into a coin purse. I mean, yeah, exactly. He eats coins. Uh, the monkey in space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those stupid but fun. But yeah, these but, are stupid but, but not giving. fun. Yes, exactly. These are like no, I no, I get, I, I I keep thinking I'm just not Japanese enough to understand this. And here's the thing. Hope that doesn't sound wrong, but yeah, no, I, 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 I get you. I mean, there, there could very well be a, a, a significant cultural, which we cannot address. We can only address it from our own standpoint. But Ultra Q, 1960s, is mm -hmm. a thing. Ultraman, the next show that came after it, is a is a similar thing. The two are very similar. In, in production, in logic, in derpiness. But if you take a look at the Ultraman made now, is it? They have a, they are better. They are better than the original Ultraman. You might you might like Ultraman better, the character Ultraman or whatever, they, or you might like Ultra 7 better or whatever, your favorite one. But if you look at the show from a technical standpoint, they're fun, they're they're better done technically they haven't lost they haven't lost something in translation over the years isn't it but this has this has and it, it it's really it's sad in a way because it could have been fun and we're only four episodes in there are 12 so we we've, we've got a ways to go i'm hoping that they uh they led with the bad ones but uh <laughs> it's more or less misery in store who knows yeah I don't, I don't know that I have anything else. No, I don't really have anything either. Other I'm not quite sure why uh, Emmy had those two boxes in front of her. Oh yeah, I I have a note I there. Wonder, what was that about? Yeah, what's with the boxes? That's I don't know. Is it um, literally just smack them in the face with Pandora's box? I I think that could be it, or maybe she is trying to test Sohi. Um, that was her plan all along to to see if he could she can make him resist the urge to look at whatever she puts underneath the cup. I don't know. But she had she had two boxes and she uh -huh. spent a fair amount of time looking at the two boxes and then like, yep. am I going to open this one? Am I going to open that one? Am I going to open this one? Yeah. And then when she did finally pick one and open it, it nothing. 
We never saw yeah. what was in it. Nothing never happened. Saw it. It just like just cut to another scene and ignored it. It was, it was. I don't know. I, I bet this Box was metaphor. a metaphor. I bet. It, yeah, I bet it was very, very uh, well received in the writers' room. Yes. It's like, well, that is very oh, that's visually. Deep, this man. is that's deep. You got to put it man. in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Once again, we know how to fix that problem. It's called an editor. Yep. Someone who's yep. not invested in the project, take a look at it. You know, directors do this. And uh, yeah, but no. <laughs> didn't have one. Or do you know what the next what? two episodes of oh, Ultra Q are? Through the magic of the Wikipedia, we've got it's like the town people that who didn't doesn't smell. speak. Oh, doesn't speak. Okay. And. The Extremely Smelly Island, which I'm looking forward to for some reason, just because oh, yes. of the name. Yes, that does sound like a winner. Sotobanu, Hanamachi, and Motomo Kusishima. Kusishima. Yeah, those should be great. I I totally agree that they're going to be, they're going to redeem this series going in to the stretch. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. John, thank you for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. And listeners... I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol or patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation and find other content at FusionPatrol.com. And we're back on social media, where you can also follow us on Mastodon and the Fediverse. Our address is at podcast at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. The next episode of Fusion Patrol is number 666, so we're having a special Mark of the Beast episode with a special one-off look at the X-Files episode 14 from season 2, entitled Die Hand, Die Verletzt. This episode was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong and was their farewell episode to the X-Files when they left to create space above and beyond. In the episode, Scully and Mulder work with a mysterious substitute teacher. Could it be... Satan? Come join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.